0: Freestyle, and then we'll cut, we'll edit as needed. Okay. Hey, should we put this more towards you too, like more like that? Cause it was like both pointed point, both were pointed towards me. Sure. And we had it like that. That way. That should be fine. I think. Um. So okay. So
1: this podcast, like you were saying, we're gonna do the questions. Yeah, we have a few people? questions to answer that people sent in. And, um, to start out, we're just going to talk about our winter plans and kind of what we have going on and, um, dive into that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys got your scamp design all figured out? We've been looking around a lot and doing a bunch of research and I think, so ideally I would like to have an awning and have a zip in room that's mm-hmm. canvas. Cause that way we could use that in all seasons. Yeah. Um, the issue that we're with the awnings though is I haven't found one that's like winter ready because yeah. we would have to angle it such that it would dump off snow mm-hmm. so we could either angle it up and then it would channel snow back onto the scamp we can angle it down then we would have less head space mm. yeah. so I don't know which way would be best another thing that we're looking at is uh, external um, it's an external propane stove okay so it would sit outside of the scamp and burn propane and then it would vent the fumes and the carbon monoxide and the water vapor mm-hmm. outside okay and then it would pump in hot air just through the window oh, that's nice so that's something that we could do I would pref I would prefer to have that similar setup except for with wood mm. so we would go out step out stoke up the fire and have that be in the um, maybe in an external room or whatever. Mm and then come back in. That's but cool. if we could have a pipe that was channeling heat in, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't have to focus so much on making the external room so badass. Yeah, I what you're saying. And we wouldn't have to drill a hole in the scamp that right? way. Yeah, that's, that's key. Um, you don't want
0: to compromise that.
1: So that's, those are some things that we're looking at. But what I'm thinking is if we could get a, just a badass awning mm-hmm. and then build the room inside on our own, then that would probably be the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you, just,
0: you just want to be mindful of that, of shedding that snow because it gets super right, heavy. Right. Because like my tent, you've seen how it has those, it just basically just slopes all around it. Right. But that's so hard to figure out how to attach that to. An I awning sort Yeah. Or, or, or just, or just a vehicle in general. Cause some people have suggested to me that they've like messaged me and said, Hey, you know, let Baron and Nelson know about like Oz tents, like freestanding tents. And I'm like, while those are awesome, this still has drawbacks. Yeah. Like you got to really line up the scamp perfectly with it. And you got to figure out a way to make sure that the, the front face doesn't go down even though you can't tie out in front of it, you gotta tie out directly to the sides. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts with that.
1: Yeah it does. But I think those Oz tents are like the closest thing to what we're looking for. They're pretty awesome. The ARB one that you have is absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. but the sidewalls aren't thick enough and yeah. it can shed snow.
0: It's the the sidewalls are really thin on that. Yeah. And it, it's it which is great for, for weight. Summer, you know and, and, and yeah. for it's lightweight, I mean heck the whole thing fits in a duffel bag and you can
1: just go with right. it. But I mean It has no insulation problem. No R value. None. Another thing that I was thinking, if we did it with the awning style, is we could reinforce the center point Mm -hmm. on the awning so that we could put a pole up in the center and have it, like, push that part up so it would sort of shed. Mm -hmm. But I think we would just have to be pretty diligent about snow still.
0: Yeah. Well, and another thing that's nice, too, so one thing to think about is that if you could figure out a way... See, the drop-down room that I have for my awning, there's actually two ceilings in it. There's the awning, and there's right. another ceiling. And the drawback to that in the wintertime is that top awning never gets uh, warm. Sun. Uh, it never gets warm, so like the snow will accumulate on that. Whereas, if, if, if that if that was being heated up and I didn't have an interior ceiling, if the ceiling was the actual uh, tarp or, or uh, awning, awning itself, itself, then that will warm up and then it will shut snow.
1: Okay. So yeah,
0: cause if you look like on my tent in the wintertime, um, after a good snowstorm, the tent itself will have shed, shed the snow, but the additional protector that I have over the snow jack just to make sure the rest of the tent, like if there's any embers that come out, it blocks it from putting holes in the tent that will still have snow on it
1: because it's insulated well, from the, yeah, there, from there, the there's a
0: space like about an inch. Okay. So it just doesn't get, it doesn't get the same warmth interesting yeah so that's something to think about
1: yeah so there are lots of things to consider and to get us into doing the winter thing we were looking at um like elsa brought up that propane stove that's external mm-hmm. uh, that could be really cool i would rather use wood clearly yeah. um, but if we can find a wood burning something that we can channel that hot air into the camp or something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. We're like vetting out all the different ideas, but there are lots of things to consider yeah. and everything yeah. has like benefits and downfalls. You
0: yeah. Know? And then like, you know, the one thing that I would always keep in mind, and this is one thing I learned from winter camping is just like, like it's like, you want to make sure whatever setup you have is easy to pack up in the cold. Yeah. Because there's there's times where you're like, you're, you're you like, you gotta get out. Yeah. You're like, hey, I got to move camp, you know, my, my two week stays up and I got to roll. Right. And, uh, that day could be a blizzard yeah. <laughs> and that sucks because I've done it and it's yeah. not fun. But what I, what I usually do is I'll go a day prior and prep the new site, remove all the snow from it. If it's going to be a sunny day, then, you know, the passive solar will hit the ground. Uh-huh. And even if the, even if the actual temperature outside is below freezing, the ground will thaw out okay. because of the passive solar. And so you can move over to a new area and then set up your you know, additional room and stake it to the ground. Cause in the wintertime, the, the wind is nuts. Way more so in the summer. Okay. So another thing yeah, that I'm gonna yeah. need is a bomber shovel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just get a good snow shovel. Yeah. That's what I have. Yeah. I carry that so the ones that has like the, the thing goes like this and then the, then the there's like an additional handle up here that way you can just you know kill so in yeah, the back. Yeah. And that thing's gold all awesome. the winter time.
1: Yeah, so lots to consider still. Yeah. But if, if it doesn't work out or whatever we can always bug out down south until we do figure it out. So yeah, I'm not totally. like I'm not panicking about it, but I would like to be able to, um, stay in the cold mm-hmm. to snowboard and do all those things and then that opens up a lot more of the US for us to explore yeah during the colder months well it's
0: nice too because you don't have
1: as many people around right you know so that way they're just doing quartzite and stuff man it oh, was yeah. so busy yeah I'll bet that was because everybody just flocks we, like follow the birds you know <laughs> it's crazy
0: <laughs> they just keep coming every yeah. day you know, like where are all, all, all so these humans so even in from. Arizona
1: <laughs> if we could go up to higher elevation places like Prescott and stuff uh-huh. in the colder months and have some sort of heating solution um, that would be super handy yeah but I think the external room and some sort of stove I, could, I definitely want to do that but I'm I don't know exactly how to do it yet yeah so
0: you know another thing to think about would be maybe creating some sort of channels that you could put onto your scamp where you can you can put like a line in through it. I'll show you what I do with my yeah. with my. It's how I put my awning on. There's like this little channel at the end of where the awning comes out, and it's like this this piece that's like you know bigger around not as big around my finger, but you know it's about half that size. And then it's just got real uh, thin material. And so you can slide that in that channel and then it automatically comes on. And it kind of creates a seal. Yeah. And if you did that. Some
1: pods have that built into them. Do
0: they? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe something like that too. Because then that'd be easy because you have the channels. But the only problem with channels in the wintertime is they can freeze.
1: Yeah. And, and then, you then you can't get your Yeah. Out. And then you're just like,
0: shit, I'm yeah. here for a while. <laughs>
1: we'll have to bring a hair dryer. <laughs>
0: like a two-day for- ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> huh, I need more solar. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> These short days. Um, let's see. So yeah, that's, that's our winter plans. What, what do you have going on? Like what's your, uh, going back
0: to Kansas for the month of October okay. and uh, my folks are going to be out of town. So I'm going to watch their dogs and I'm going to work on my truck a little bit. I'm planning on, what are you doing to the truck? I'm going to make the back door bigger. Okay. Uh, that's one thing. And then I'm going to figure out an additional shelving systems in there just for knickknack items that mm-hmm. I usually just have like on, like if I'm, if I'm running around and the, the extension is, is slid in and packed up. I always have stuff in the back, just kind of loose items, and I would prefer not to have that. I always want to have a, sp- a space for them, like you know, a headlamp, sure. um, the little connector piece that goes between your propane tank and your stove, yeah. you know, just just stuff like that. I just want it out of the way, because that way, I, when I get to camp, I can just pull out
1: the um, cooler and then the water, and then just set up. Another thing you might try is like something like a pegboard mm-hmm. or those elastic deals, mm-hmm. like little bungees that you could have to secure things. Yeah, I think about that on the sides. Another thing that we do for little things, like in our closet where we have a lot of our miscellaneous electronics and stuff, mm-hmm. is we have little drawstring bags like smaller kind of like ski goggle bags or whatever mm-hmm. that we've collected over time and we have them labeled with like miscellaneous electronics or yeah, photo gear i
0: forgot like just, since you said that I, i've got a bunch of stuff sacks in my uh backpack yeah which they're just
1: sitting in there what you can do me. is just use those and then little 3m hooks like and yeah, put those works. on your windows and then you can just throw all the shit in there and then hook it up on your window or hook it up to the side or yeah whatever, just to make it easy
0: cool And then I I want to do more insulation in there for colder winter camping and then figure out the battery solution. You know, I was going with the dual battery initially, and I bought the components for that minus the battery in the tray. But then I saw this guy online, and he actually, I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast or or two two podcasts ago. He had a a battery, and then he had a trickle panel that just kept a jump box topped off. So he'd just run the battery down at night if if he ever went through the whole thing,
1: you know, through his inverter. And then in the morning, when he need to, to start his truck, he uses the jump box. So the jump box itself is that just a super high voltage small battery? Mm-hmm. That just helps you get that those cranks. It's just like one crank, and that's yeah,
0: yeah. And then and then you're then you're
1: good, and then your other
0: battery starts charging. And okay, he said he's not having any problems with it. And the good thing about it is it's so much smaller than putting that secondary battery in there.
1: Right. You know, and because all you need for your car is enough to kick it mm-hmm. to turn it over. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. so why do cars have such a big battery then? Just for longevity and I stuff? I would
0: imagine that. And probably the idiot factor, you know? I mean, yeah. people,
1: you know, leave their... Run it down. Yeah.
0: Like, there's some of the stereo and all that stuff. And, well, also, and also, too, for, for the cold. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, for cranking in the cold. Why wouldn't you go with a goal Zero? Just because you have... Probably... Like, probably, don't need that much?
0: No. Well, that and... Um, I kind of want the... I kind of want the, just the, the DC power. Is DC, the DC power comes from um, the battery. Yeah. Yeah. Without so, being inverted. Right. Yeah, and so, I I think that I mean I've got the 750 watt inverter already, uh-huh. and I just think I'll go that route instead of going to goal zero. Um, as a primary, sure. I mean, like if I do portable power, I may go, I may contact BioLite and see if they want to send out like some charge forties or something like that. That would be cool. And see, and see how those work. Cause I've had good, good luck with the solar home six twenty in my truck. Yeah. And that thing, I mean, it's, it powers up in like two or three hours. And that one's thirty watt hours, correct? Uh, 20, 20, 20 okay. watt hours. Yep. And so, But you can expand it to 100, which I'm, I need to find mm-hmm. out. It's what it says in the box. I need to find out what's up with that. Because if that's the case for winter, I want to try it out in the winter tent. Uh,
1: another thing that just came out is Goal Zero released a new, I believe it's the Sherpa 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a AC inverter. It has the DC ports, the USB ports, and it has inductive charging on it now. Hmm. so you have this little like, relatively flat it's about I don't know maybe a foot long by 8 inches or something like that and 2 inches thick mm-hmm. and um, you can set your phone on that if you have phones with that Qi like QI technology or whatever Yeah, and you can charge things with that wow. which is kind of kind of cool like uh, uh, if we had one I'm sure it would be really nice especially for backpacking and stuff and mm-hmm. we're trying to do video work and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, but I don't know for us it doesn't really make sense given what we have yeah it does for traveling maybe i don't know but for you that might be a cool solution yeah just for like even at the cabin and stuff you could have that and then it's so portable that you can slip it in your backpack oh that's cool and then you can charge it in town at coffee shops low-key yeah. and stuff I'll have to check that. because if we were trying to bring our brick and it's lithium too but if we were trying to bring one of our brick power stations into the coffee shop and be like alright guys <laughs> yeah, what like, are you doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what's going on you right? can't, uh, yeah. I don't think you can do this yeah um so, yeah, so I was going to
0: do that to the truck and then also add a TV. So, I'm going to do a drop down TV from the ceiling.
1: <laughs> Geek, why?
0: I, I know. I <laughs> why? Just, well, I was just thinking, I'm like, in the winter time, you know, you're a little bit more, you got That's a, lot, true. a lot more uh, downtime. Yeah. You know, and I would like to have a little bit bigger screen
1: to, like, maybe. Why don't you do a projector?
0: Well, I've, got, I've already got that. Well, <laughs> why don't you
1: use that? Uh, you don't
0: even use it. I know. It's, I, well, because then I have to do a drop down screen. Yeah. You know, so if I'm going to drop down screen, might as well just put a TV up there. Why, know? though? <laughs> I don't Which know. one would take more power? Uh, probably the TV. Probably, yeah.
1: So then, I'm sure. Well, actually, how big are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know, dude, like 17-inch or something? And then it'll just be close enough to your face to... Something <laughs> like, like this? ...and lead a retinoblast. <laughs> okay, here. I'm not going to put the TV on. <laughs> <laughs> I just got talked out of it. I'm mad. sorry, Brian. I uh, mean, no, ruin your dreams. No, it's all good.
0: No, it's funny. No, but I, um, I was thinking about that. I mean, I've, I've got the projector, and that's... You power it up, and it runs for two and a half hours. It's got an internal battery. It's 100 lumens. It's not particularly bright. So like during the daytime, I wanted the TV because I love football. Mm -hmm. And so if I was near a population center that had... You know, um, like football on and, and public television. Yeah, like on like you know the stations or something like that. Then I could flip it on, mm-hmm. but it'd be something that I probably wouldn't use very much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought when I got the projector, I'm like, oh, I use this all the time. if you use it like a handful of times. Yeah. You know. So.
1: I I really prefer things with independent power because mm-hmm. then those just supplement your uh, overall power bank. Yeah. You know? Totally. And that's super helpful. Yeah. Rather than having to draw all from one thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Let's see, so the rest of my winter plans, um, so after October, I'm going to come back here, possibly help Craig out with that off grid uh, ranch in okay. um, Gunnison for November, and then come back.
1: It's going to be cold in Gunnison in November. Oh, yeah, okay.
0: it's going to be crazy. Um, and then probably come back December, and then... Are you guys
1: just going to build an igloo, or...? I don't know.
0: Out? Well, I'm going to have my four-season tent. Okay. So I'll definitely have that with me for the cool. for the warmth factor out there. But then also, too, like Craig's buddy has that ranch across the street that's it's okay. already dialed in. Cool. And it's, like, full-on solar house off-grid you know good to go but um but then i'll come back i do want to get some winter camping in this i'll probably do that in gunnison and then come back here and do the off-grid cabin for like january february march probably or maybe december january february i don't really know yet okay so last year i moved in there i think it was like right around thanksgiving and then i moved out the last week of february
1: Okay, so, cool. Because
0: by February, by the end of February, it started getting warm, and I was like, I'm drinking camping. Yeah. So.
1: How, what is warm in February? Like, what is it actually, um, What are the temperatures I,
0: actually? I mean, like, February itself is cold, but March, it really starts to change. Like, things start melting, you know. Like, when did how, we get back? Uh, I'm so like, terrible like May, timelines. Like, you, you came back in May. Okay. Yeah, I got back April 24th.
1: Okay. So so you were uh, you were back just before we were. Yeah, and
0: it snowed on me the first two days when I came back.
1: Dude, it snowed on me in October. Did it? it last year, yeah, I had a uh, I had a website that I was launching that day, uh-huh. and I, that was back when we still had the Mini Cooper, and I it snowed just like freak snow, and I was high enough elevation to where I got like. Six inches. Oh, did you? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like
0: in, in the cooper and the yeah, mini. That, that doesn't
1: really work. We, we had the mini like stuck down this little hill. Oh, so God. I was trying to back up out of there and it just wasn't happening. <laughs> so I had to do all my work. Like launch this site and do all these revisions and everything. From camp? From camp, Oh, I yeah. bet you ate up so much data. Yeah, it oh, was gnarly. But it was kind of cool to know that I can do that. You yeah. Know? But it was... Not preferable by any means, but yeah, yeah, snow in October, I guess, Mm -hmm. is a thing too.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, like um, every like there's like there's like uh, this website that I go to. It talks about the snow patterns and stuff like that. For example, like Leadville, they start getting on average, they start getting consistent snowstorms September seventeenth of every every year. Yeah, consistent meaning like almost weekly. Yeah, I mean, like like that's like that's when it shows up. You know, it starts to show up like like, so within two weeks, Leadville is going to start getting snow. Wow. Yeah. Leadville gets snow eight eight months out of the year. And then how deep into the
1: season does it go?
0: Uh, the snow? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Leadville goes until, like, May. Okay. Yeah. Because,
1: like, A Basin stays open because they're higher elevation. They stay open until mid-April or so, Oh, sometimes
0: they stay open until July 4th. Really? Depending on the snow. I mean, obviously, last year. No. Last year's snow, yeah. Last year, they were closed late December. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They never opened. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, yeah, um... So anyway, but yeah. So for for the rest of my winter, I think I'm just gonna do like I said the you know the cabin after winter camping.
1: Okay. And I'm
0: I'm excited for that again. I mean, when does it nice. get
1: too gnarly for winter camping? Like what months are? Well, not I mean, like good?
0: as long as you, as long as you don't mind the, the cold. I mean, you know, you get up in between when your stove you know starts to go out a little bit and it starts to get cold. I mean, the the only problem with winter camping, like I'd say February is typically the worst. Although January. Of 2016 was the biggest snow month I've ever had. In winter camping, hmm. it just dumped like crazy. There were like three three foot snowstorms, all separate from one another. And I was I was just loving it, man. I'd I'd like sit there at camp and be like, yeah, and it's like stacking up on the sides, and I'm like, you know, hi, I'm eating cookies and stuff, and <laughs> I was listening to podcasts. I was listening to a bunch of Dan Carlin hardcore history podcasts. Oh, that'd be perfect. Yeah, and it was like dumping out there, and I mean, I'd see tons of animals because when it dumps like that. The they animals, push down yeah right? they come down from the high country so they can feed you otherwise they starve up there because they can't get to their food and,
1: uh, and man you just see so much so we saw a fox the other day oh you did? Like two days ago Dude, those are awesome camp now. like got on point and looked at it and the fox like looked back at him and they were kind of <laughs> like what are you? and it was one of those things where I almost wanted to let him play uh, you know but it, it, I'm yeah, not going to encourage that at it's all. It's crazy how big their tail is, but it's all, yeah. just, it's all just hair. That's how I spotted it, yeah. is it was kind of bouncing through. We got some okay footage of it. I um, walked up towards it and just mm-hmm. had my camera out and was mm-hmm. just talking to it. <laughs> and... Um, it just was looking back, looking at me, looking at Camp, and mm-hmm. Camp also was holding Camp up super high, and he's shaking, <laughs> and like, he's just going all neurotic, trying to go camp. after the. Boss. I can see Camp doing that. <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, we saw a
0: moose. We were over. Uh, over, I was in Leadville this week doing the, running the trails uh-huh. for the Forest Service. And I ran four trails in the last three days, and uh, we camped um, over by Slide Lake one night and uh the actual area around the lake or uh, at that, i'm sorry the area around the trailhead was pretty packed full, full of people which i've never seen like that before so mm-hmm. i was kind of bummed so we went to this other area that's around there and there's no one that ever goes there it's awesome because there's like here are these crum holds and for people who know don't know what crum holds are it's a type of uh like plant slash tree that just Grows up from the ground. It looks like willows, kinda, and it just it just tangles up and can get up to like 12, 15 feet tall. Hmm. It looks like big bushes, but like big, big old round. Kind of viney, almost. Or I don't, I don't
1: know if I'm familiar with these. Yeah, kind of. You
0: see, you you've seen them. You've run across them in the backcountry and stuff okay. up here. They're all over the place. I'll show them to you next time. They kind of like a willow, except like like a more uh, um, degraded. <laughs> dna species of a willow. it's like it's like the the branches aren't straight they're all like crooked and stuff it just looks it just looks like a weird plant but anyway um that's like moose habitat like they love going through there because it and they're they're, called krimholz 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 yeah okay and they they go through like that or willows and they love it because it's like it kind of scratches their belly Uh. because they're so they're so tall but what's wild is, is you'll be walking through these paths and you'll look up and you'll see like six or seven feet up you know, that's where it's broken off, and you're thinking, like, that's their belly. Goodness. Yeah, like, that's how big those animals are. And so the the one that Sierra and I saw, Sierra only kind of caught a glimpse of it, and she kind of just a little bit barked and was like, what was that? And I looked over, and I saw this one truck, and, and it was a male. He had a big old rack. And uh when those things go through the forest, like, it's just like a wrecking ball. I mean, it's just, you know, limbs are breaking and all that stuff, because they're so big, they just break everything off. And so it's like, it's like running through the forest, it's like... it. Freight train.
1: It's amazing that they can even walk through the forest. Because mm-hmm. they're, how big are their racks? Six, at least oh. six foot wide, right?
0: Say, well, some of them, yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, you see some of the stuff that's up in Canada. Yeah. I mean, they're like giants.
1: But I even struggle moving quickly through the forest. Mm-hmm. You know? I can't mm-hmm. imagine having that on my head. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why they like those
0: crumbles because there's nothing. Oh, to-
1: and that's probably why they stay in kind of boggy yeah, areas, too. I would think so. I wonder if they're, um, they're like, Habitat pattern changes when they have antlers on. Mm. You know, like if they spend more time in the open and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then once they fall off, they I go think, back up into the. Tree. I think
0: the moose though. The, I don't believe the moose antlers fall off because it's a different type. Uh, it's not. Yeah, a, they do because they're antlers. No, right? I don't think so. I was talking to somebody about this today. So that'd actually be something to look up. Yeah. Good to look up. We got the internet right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're in the future.
0: What? Yeah. So they were, Well, they were telling me something about the. No. okay let's pull this up and see
1: well they're not called horns
0: right um let's ask them if they shed their antlers oh yeah they should grow their antlers each year well because if they didn't then they wouldn't be called antlers right right oh it should oh i see it doesn't what it what it does is it's uh it's, it, the, the males, the male ones, it's made of bone instead of like the antler. And so what it is, it's an extension of the skull and the velvet sheds off, not the whole antler. Really? Yeah. So that's why they get that. Cause it, that's how it gets so big. Like I've seen some antlers, I mean like, you're just like, what? So moose, they never come off? What they do is they, what they do is they, as they continue to grow, they, they shed the, what's called the, like the velvet. So you'll see them and like all the deer right now walking around town you'll see They seem to look like. And and then you go to see the trees, and the trees are all marked up on one side. Because that's where all the blood
1: is, right? Like that's where all the capillaries are and stuff to bring new growth to them. I don't
0: know. I I would. Everything you need to know about moose antlers by Lawrence Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I don't know. We'll look into this, and
1: they have to come off, though, right?
0: It says bulls lose their antlers every winter. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're antlers. If they were horns, and they keep These antlers them. are covered in velvet while they grow. Oh, okay, yeah. And like pronghorn
1: shouting. and sheep and mm-hmm. um, goats, they don't lose theirs. This leaves them. Yeah. In perfect condition for displaying and fighting. Gosh.
0: I've never want to deal with one of those animals. So, anyway, but yeah, it was cool seeing that moose. Um, and then we got back. We were over on Weston Pass last night. It's one of my new adopted trails from the Forest Service. And went over on the Park County side to check out the where the forest fire
1: was. And then um, went and camped along the, the creek. Cool. And it was nice. Um, another thing, new development for us is we got some new cameras. We got the six, Canon 6D Mark II and a Canon M50. And the M50 is the mirrorless. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think I'll probably use that one more often because I'm not as... Um, photographer as elsa is <laughs> so she um will use the bigger camera and then i'll use the smaller guy and then we still have the g7x for like super portable stuff okay cool so it's been super fun to have actually like nice and n- new camera gear yeah we got some great deals on both of those cool something with buying cameras if you're ever looking to buy a new camera um if you look at on ebay and on amazon they have the international models uh-huh. that you can get and they're oftentimes a few hundred bucks cheaper than the really? american models they're yeah. not yeah is there any difference i think the warranty is a little sketchy okay. but i don't feel <laughs> like
0: dude selling it out of the back of a truck yeah. <laughs> i don't know what
1: the what the whole deal is that's, but
0: that's funny the way you said
1: that <laughs> um what else winter winter plans. You want to dive into these questions? Yeah, why don't we go ahead and do that. We got, we got three questions here
0: submitted uh, from two separate individuals, so um, we'll go ahead and start with the first one here. It's from uh, Rachel Marie, and she has two questions, so we'll go after the first one here. She said, I'd love to hear a deeper dive into the logistics of traveling with dogs. How do you travel with dogs and also visit and enjoy national parks? What do you do... If you have to go somewhere that you can't bring your dog, what if it's too hot to leave them in the vehicle or camper? How did Baron and Elsa manage camp when his recall wasn't going so great?
1: His recall? Yeah. Oh, uh, like, calling him back? Like, telling him to come back to us? Maybe, maybe,
0: maybe yeah. Because
1: sure. that's that's still a thing that we're managing. that <laughs> what its it is. It hasn't quite been worked out yet. No, well, he's <laughs> flighty, man, but he's getting way better. Like, now we can keep him off leash mm-hmm. and walk around, and he's starting to um, respond more to just like, hey, dude, stop. Yeah, you know? that's good.
0: Yeah. Sierra's finally getting to that point, too. Yeah, it's hard, though, and I
1: guess Shibas are kind of known for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with Shibas are a Japanese breed and they were bred to like hunt small game and kind of patrol the area from what mm-hmm. I understand and then the Akitas were more of the and Akita's full name is Akita Inu so Inu is dog in Japanese mm-hmm. so the Akitas were like the big battle bear-like dogs and then the Shibas would run the perimeter and just bark and yell a lot so that the Akitas would come in and take care of whatever. Oh, okay. So they weren't. It, that's that's like the folklore. I don't know what of it is true, but Camp doesn't really care whether he's a good boy or not. You know, like he's that doesn't drive him. Like we had a lab growing up, and anytime you're like, "Good girl, Casey," was yeah. her name. She'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, this a- is so good. I'll do anything." Mm-hmm. You know, and Camp's like, "Nah, dude. Unless you got a treat, that's good." Then I'm out. Yeah. And if it's not free-range chicken, I'm not eating it. You know, <laughs> it's he's difficult. My palate requires the finest meats and cheeses. But to um, train him, something that helped us out a lot is having other dogs, like even Sierra, around mm-hmm. that will stick around. And once he he kind of got into that pattern of um, staying close to camp and not taking off. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the tricks that we used for a while too is a long drag leash. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta be really careful with that because if you're like out hiking and he has a long drag leash on and he does run off, then he can get wrapped around something. And then even if he wanted to come back, he can't. Yeah. And that happened one time. Um, he like s- snuck away while Kevin and I were unloading the truck and we're ready to go fly fish. Hmm. And he was, we didn't look at him for maybe 30 seconds and he, and then it's he gone. was gone and took off down the trail. I didn't know where he went because we were kind of at a confluence of um, like road and area like way out in the sticks in Limbo, mm-hmm. um and i looked for him for like an hour and a half two hours finally found him and he had, he had one of like a retractable leash on because we were just in town and he had tangled that all up in these bushes mm-hmm. and wasn't even making any noise <laughs> he like, but, yeah, when he saw me he just sat there <laughs> So I was like, "Okay, dude, screw you!" Like, what if you know? What if we didn't find you? You yeah. know? So I turned around and started walking up the hill, and then he lost it. And I was oh, like, well. ah! like, "Come back, Dad!" Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I had uh, when Sierra and I first got on the road. She
0: she definitely go out and venture out a little more. And now she's she's pretty much stays close to home. Yeah. Which is good, and I think that she's also a good influence on camp because camp's totally. like, oh, okay, this is kind of what we do. Because yeah. I know so when we all camp together, if those two are off leash together, they kind of pile around. Right. And that's good to have. Yeah. I, I would say that that's a really good thing for people that are gonna hit the road is that if you meet other people that have you know dogs that are socialized, like let your two dogs. Kind of run around together you know a little bit around camp or mm-hmm. or walk them together and kind of give them the parameters yeah. and just try to teach them like okay it's cool to like roam but just stay within some certain area right. like sierra she when now what, what she'll do is she'll set up like a 50-yard perimeter around camp and she'll just like patrol yeah and i think that she just likes to go out there and sniff around and do whatever And so she's never too far away. And then another thing that's that, that I would recommend for anybody that's going to travel with the dog is get that, get that leash that lights up the little, little night eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's powers off a two battery, um, or watch batteries, watch batteries. And it lasts for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. the one that I have for Sierra, it's it's lasted. These batteries have lasted for months. Yeah. And it's only if it we're, like, you know, if it's getting really close to, to dusk, then I can turn that on. And then, I, and then I can always see her where she's at. She's always close, which is nice. But, man, it's
1: worrisome in the evening.
0: Yeah. Because that's when
1: animals are out, too. Yep. You know? So. Yeah,
0: they're definitely hunting. Um, as far as, like, going to, to national parks... I don't. I actually don't. Yeah. yeah. And, and the reason for that is because of all the restrictions. Like, yeah. it's like typically, some of the national parks are starting to ease up a little bit and creating a few more trails to where you can hike dogs, but you have, they have to be on a six-foot leash, no no retractable leash. Um, and usually, the loops are like a mile for mm-hmm. like the hiking. That's it. It's like, if you're going to go to a national park, you want to see it. Now, granted, you can have your dog in your car while you're driving around, but typically, most of the good stuff is off the beaten path. Yeah. So I, I don't go there because of those restrictions.
1: But there's so much land, like so many cool things to see, and so far fewer people. Mm-hmm. We need to go visit some national parks just to do it. Mm. But, um, yeah, we haven't, mostly because of camp. And because yeah. with the camper and everything, it's just a lot of complexity. And I think you would probably have to get paid for campsites unless you were oh, right yeah. outside of it. Or yeah,
0: all national parks, I think it's all pay yeah. campsites. But to see that, So that's why I go to national monuments. Yeah, Because national monuments are like... Just step down as far as, like, badassery from, well, I'd, I'd say there's some national monuments that are just as badass as national parks. But there's usually, like, you know, one one hundredth of the people. Mm-hmm. And then there's not a restriction on dogs, which, okay. that, which that's great. Yeah. Is everything cool?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so there's not a restriction on dogs. And, I mean, the, they still may have some hiking trails where they say, hey, you got to have your dog on a leash. But that's typically just because it's a busy trail. Sure. You know? So, yeah, I think that I just shy away from any areas that don't allow dogs. I'm like, yeah. well, I mean, we're kind of a package deal.
1: Right. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's me and Sierra, and not one or the other. With dealing with having a dog in town, mm-hmm. um, we kind of have to plan our day around that, especially in the summer and in the winter. Um, we have to figure out how to deal with camp. So sometimes one of us would stay at this camp mm-hmm. to like, keep it warm enough and do that whole deal with him or if it's warm enough sometimes and it's super sunny during the day then we can leave him in the scamp in the winter um, but I don't know it's it's a, it's a sort of balancey thing mm-hmm. and sometimes the car is better because you can park it in the sun mm-hmm. and then sometimes we can sit outside but a lot of times I guess in the winter we were spending a lot more time in the scamp with him and then if it was a warmer day or if the sun was nice then we could either leave him there or put him in the car or whatever yeah but yeah it's a hard thing uh, i think the the summer is harder than the winter with yeah the- i would say so
0: because it's like
1: you know dogs are pretty
0: um resor- resourceful when it comes to staying warm right and uh you know like sierra's got a double coat mm-hmm. you know camp's got a good coat as well and so they're 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 pretty much you know winter dogs as is but you're right man the summertime i mean even up here you know we're looking at temperatures like in the mid to high 80s and it's like it's like if i don't if i don't have her a fan on her in the summertime like i've got that little portable fan little battery fan if i don't have that pointed right on her and like have everything shaded in there i mean she could die within five minutes yeah of heat exhaustion you know or or maybe 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 five minutes maybe (laughs) maybe ten yeah uh, but it's, it gets intense in there, you know, yeah. especially with the windows rolled up and everything. So um, I just keep the windows down in the summertime, and then I use that Reflectix around the windows and then have a, um, a fan for her. And she's usually pretty solid. I'll come back, and she's like, legs up in the air, snoring. I'm like, she's fine. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in the wintertime, you know, for her in the wintertime, she, she loves running around the snow. She'll go out and run around the snow all day long until, until her feet get really cold, and then she'll come back in. So like I don't have any issues in the winter. Like there'd be times our first winter camping out here, I'd be like, Oh, it's cold out, I'm gonna bring all these blankets for her and I go to the cop shop, I come out, she would have worked her way out of all the blankets and she's sitting on top with like her legs in the air, you know what yeah. I Like,
1: Okay, she's fine. Like, yeah. She's not cold. Yeah. So um dogs are pretty resilient. Yeah. But we also don't like to test their resiliency, you know? Right, yeah. What other questions did they have about dogs?
0: Um, you know, what about if it's too hot or not, we just addressed address that. Um just about how you manage camp. Uh, was it last year when he wasn't feeling good? Oh, with his
1: allergies? I mean,
0: because it's kind of this year, too. He really yeah. got
1: hit this so year. So a couple quick... Camp has really bad allergies. I, mean, I think the majority of it is genetic because Shebas were bred down to, like, four bloodlines after World War II. Or they were, like, wiped out down to a mm-hmm. few number of dogs, effectively. So the whole population of Shebas was in, rebred... From that, those few bloodlines. So they're pretty inbred, you know? (laughs) So I think a lot of his allergies come from that um, sort of genetic background. Yeah. So that's something that we've been battling. And uh, corn is one of the, like, key things that make him blow up. Oh, I didn't realize corn was, I thought it was just, like, pollen and stuff. Yeah, the, the, well, the corn. So with allergies, there's something to, like, gut health. Mm -hmm. You know, that's been sort of coming into vogue as of recent, but I, what we're thinking is if we can optimize his food to where there are no irritants in it Mm -hmm. and everything is, uh, like helping his gut health and his just general overall health, then he probably won't be as responsive to the external allergens. And that's proven to be true to some extent, you know, um, so that's been sort of, that's like the long-term liner defense. As far as when he blows up, really, uh, like he got super itchy and Prescott and got stretched out or stressed out. So he like scratched his eye so much to where it was like raw, like around his eye because he does it like angrily, that's you know, yeah, it's, it's a, weird. He gets after it too. Yeah, and he almost, he'll do it sometimes too as like a, if he's not getting what he wants, just, like, throws a fit. He gets pissed yeah, and starts to
0: like, mutilate himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are weird. Yeah, I don't it's know what heck. to do with you.
1: So, yeah, we need to break him with that. But anyway, something that has been relatively effective is, uh, well, a simple solution is coconut oil and put a few drops of lavender essential oils in it. Okay. And uh, we would take that and, like, rub on any hot spots or on his paws or wherever he was really... Being irritated, mm-hmm. and with the lavender on, in it, he doesn't like to lick it as much. Like, I think it tastes a little weird, mm-hmm. but man, it zonks him. Like, just that lavender and the coconut oil together um, that'll like chill him out significantly. Another thing is a uh, Benadryl, in, in like worst case, if he's just itching like crazy and we have to go do something or whatever, uh, we'll give him a couple or a benadryl one of the little tiny kids ones mm-hmm. and that those zonk him like i feel bad doing that because he looks like, <laughs> he for 14 hours straight, like, strung out on opium <laughs> um but the so that works pretty well and then licorice root is a uh it's a it it works and i'm not a doctor sorry about it but it works similar to a corticosteroid so for allergies, one of the best things you could do is steroids mm. because I guess it suppresses the immune system because allergies are a like overreaction of the immune system. So this licorice root suppresses the immune system. However, that works. I need to do more research. Sorry about it, but um, that seems to work on his allergy response pretty well. Mm. And just giving him a little bit of licorice root, uh, you know, day after day for. But you don't want to give it to him for a long time because it can have effects on the immune system similar to a corticosteroid. Okay. But it's a lot less invasive than a steroid would be, I think. Cool. Another thing that's super helpful is CBDs, uh, like CBD treats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those seem to help them significantly. It just helps with inflammation. Yeah. Okay. So. I
0: noticed that with my allergies. If I have that CBD vaporizer pen, um, my allergies don't seem to be as intense because mm-hmm. the problem that, that I have is when I get an allergic reaction, then all my joints hurt it feels like i have arthritis across my entire body because of the inflammation in my joints hmm. so that's like like you know when i'll say like man i had an allergy attack last night you know, cuz i have those often right the next day is just i feel like an 80 year old you know person that has really bad arthritis but Interesting. if i have a therapeutic level of the cbd in my system and you know for people that are not familiar with marijuana like cbd is non psychoactive so it doesn't actually get you high Yeah. Um, What it is is it's a really great component of the plant that helps with like inflammation and other things that just help your body kind of chill out and operate normally. I think, or or more normal Mm -hmm. than than it would if you if you didn't have in your system. But you have to build up the you know the amount that you have in your body, and so it's not like you just take it once and everything's fine. It's like and then you take it for a couple, three or four days, and then you start to notice the effects. And I noticed that actually uh, this last week I didn't have that, that CBD, and I noticed my knee started to hurt again and my lower back started to hurt again. Hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go pick some more up and then just have that in on hand. Because that, that helps out the most. Yeah, And I had, like I said, I noticed helps with allergies too.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: So, cool. So is that good with hand? can? I think,
1: I think so. I don't okay. think I have any more tips or tricks. I'm sure yeah. we we'll do
0: But Let's see here. Uh, and also, too, just bring plenty of treats for your dog. You
1: know? Yeah, just, obviously.
0: That always works, you know. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the second question here. This is from uh, Galvin David Jr. I'm um, out in Utah. He said, I know most people tuning in would probably like to hear more about the how, where, and what, but I'm interested. I'm most interested in the why. Often we go through life and suddenly change course to follow a new path. Obviously, you both have done that. I would love to hear more about the transformation that you're under." going as you continue along this path and where you see yourselves in five to 10 years from now?
1: That's a good okay. question. Yeah, it
0: is. Yeah. Cause a lot of people are interested like, Oh, what's your life like today? And all that stuff. But they don't go through, not many people ask like, now why did you make such a change? Yeah. Because, um, for anybody that has gone through this, they'll know it's not easy. Yeah. You know, it's making that switch. Honestly
1: though, it's for us or for me, it's been easier than I anticipated. Mm hmm. You know, like there are plenty of complexities and everything, but now that we have the time to sit and digest problems and talk through things mm-hmm. and do research and whatever, it seems like we come to solutions a lot easier than I would have anticipated. That's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think,
0: I think in my case, you know, I'm solo. So it's like, I work yeah. out the problems by myself. So sometimes I can get hung up on a problem for a day or two. Sure. But being out in nature is a way of like setting your mind right to where you can, We've talked about that, I think, in the first podcast, how, how we, you're, like, in a better position to tackle problems so you can make clearer choices that are more beneficial to your long-term, you know, success of whatever it is you're going for. And so, in, in my instance, when I decided to hit the road, it was just because I was sick of the corporate world. Like, and I got dicked over in the corporate world a bunch time and time again. And I just got tired of it. I'm a really trusting person, sometimes, I think, to a fault and people would take advantage of that because I was the guy who could always come in and sell and make a, lot, make a company lots of money and all that stuff. And it was like people would churn me, you know, use me up and then say, oh, we're paying him a bunch of money. Well, let's just cut him and you know get some young people in here and pay him a fraction of what they were paying Brian. Right. And I got tired of that. And uh, um, w- when I decided to hit the road, it was after um, mm-hmm. you know I was in California f- for quite some time, had some issues out there, so I left California And then got came to Colorado and had my sign company that I started. And it was started during a really bad recession. And the clients were just used to never paying me on time. And finally one day I woke up and it was like five years into that business. I'm like, they just don't give a shit about paying me Mm -hmm. like on time. And and I have these payroll liabilities to make every week. My payroll per week was 10,000 a week. And if clients don't pay you like that adds up real quick out of your own pocket. And I got, I'd have clients that'd be six or seven weeks behind, and they're publicly traded and worth like a billion dollars, but yet they can't pay my invoices on time. And it, it was always the runaround every time. And I thought, you know what, I, this isn't my life. Like I don't want this. And it, it was, it was the same as as when I entered the workforce. And after that first month, like I said on our first podcast, like I didn't believe in what I was doing. And I was like, this is it. Like this is life. Because mm-hmm. if so, it's not cool. <laughs> like this is pretty gray and boring and uninspiring, and I don't want to do this. Like, and. Um, once I realized that I finally had to stop fighting the, the battle of trying to stay in the game, in that game, I had to realize, like, yeah, hey, there's other games out there. This isn't the only show in town. And once I did that, it was, it was easier for me to, to go out. But everybody, like I said, everybody, you know, um, said that in the previous podcast. Everybody asked, like, are you all right? Because yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of that, I think. Yeah. But, but people say that about anybody who's doing something different. They don't say that just about what we're doing like anybody who does something that's way off the norm that's off the beaten path that makes somebody actually look at look at themselves and go hmm I wonder what's going on there it's like it makes them think too yeah everybody questions it
1: it's what's the there's a saying it's like uh, every like you're crazy until you're called a genius you yeah, know yeah. like mm-hmm. until it works and then you're a genius Right. but up until that yeah um, sort of point You're crazy. Everybody thinks you lost your mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think too,
1: I'm one of these people
0: to where I thrive on inspiration and I can either be super inspired or I can be super bored. Yeah. And I was super bored in the corporate world. I I can't tell you how bored I was. And luckily, I mean, I enjoyed doing active stuff. So it wasn't like I got myself into a bunch of trouble doing things I shouldn't have, but it's like, you know, I, I just, I was like, I kept on thinking like, this can't be life. Like, this can't be it. It just wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. And I didn't know in my mind exactly what I wanted, but I knew it wasn't that. And so this has been a, a, a more of an exercise of rediscovery after losing myself in the corporate world for so long. And, and it's been a source of tremendous inspiration. Yeah, or, or, or tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. I didn't even sleep last night. It's that's true. why I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Just make it one word. Yeah, yeah tremendous, immense, <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> tremendous. I didn't even speak. Uh-huh. Um, no. So anyway, yeah, uh, that's that. That was my reason for it in the road. Okay. okay so our why? Uh, you were talking about uh, the the watch situation. Yeah. So, so I'll company. just start over with
1: that. Okay. So I built websites for a long time, or for several years and had been kind of working for myself and other people in that sort of scenario and then got into the startup world and I was in kind of a incubator slash co-working space for a while and um, decided to start up a company of our own and it was luxury watches is what we were making which was interesting it was cool it was kind of like I loved the sort of victory against the man thing about it cuz we were selling like expensive watches that we had made um and like I had put together and stuff and that was kind of That's cool. a cool victory but it wasn't like it wasn't deeply fulfilling or anything but we did it to the extent to where like we were making money and it was successful and it was it was rocking you know but that didn't like even though I made it to that sort of relative pinnacle it wasn't um, like, it wasn't real. It wasn't deeply fulfilling. It wasn't, it was exciting relatively, but not, not me, you know? Yeah. Um, so then after that, I had a, like, web development company with a friend of mine for a while, a um, couple of years, and we did well with that and had a blast, and built a lot of really interesting websites, lots of animations and stuff. And I was just trying to grind through that, like, entrepreneur thing and do that. And that was kind of my, uh, the most majority of my existence. And it was cool. Like I was learning a lot about programming and all these different things, but still it wasn't deeply fulfilling, you know? Yeah. And then we also, and I started looking at houses and how to start, start supplanting our rent because it was so expensive. And the more that we looked at it, the less sense everything made. Um, so, yeah, we eventually ended up with the SCAMP, and it was more of a uh, trying to find an absolute or an actual zero rather than having to try to outpace all of our debts in ev- or forever. Uh, the idea was to buy a house, which is the SCAMP, and then not have to pay rent. Mm. And then that way we could catch up on like student loan debt and the debts that we did have in my car at that time. Um, and pay off those things and then we could make less money and then use that money more effectively because we would need far less so we wouldn't have to work as often so then we could put our time and energy into things that actually matter and into like figuring out ourselves and everything Hmm. and and that's worked flawlessly like it's been excellent the uh and the fundamental thing to that is that frugality is freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, figuring out how not to bleed out so much money and how to live frugally and yeah. fuel our bodies frugally and all those things. It, and people have to change their
0: mindset of, like, like realizing they're not missing out just because they're not buying that new latest and greatest gadget. Like, right. It doesn't matter in life. Right. It really doesn't but matter.
1: But it, it's tantalizing because of the little dopamine hit in your mind. Right. whenever you buy the new thing, mm-hmm. you have a new shiny thing and it's exciting and it feels good. I'm, I'm, but that's I'm, that, way, I'm, I'm
0: that way with gear. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get new hiking poles. And I'm like, Rrr! yeah, i and stare at hiking poles right. and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, but it's <laughs> cleaning, you know, and yeah. if
1: you if that's where you get your fulfillment is from buying things, you'll never be satiated. Oh yeah, totally. Um, so, but that was, it's an interesting dance. Well, it's, 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 uh, uh it's sort of a paradox because I had to abandon societal validation and what people thought of me because most people think like money is the measurement of success. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to abandon that and just like follow my own path for uh, a while and in doing so and in like people thrashing me and saying I'm an idiot and whatever and like this is never going to work all those things. After all of that, then now people are coming around and being like, oh, this is so cool, like the same people, yeah. you know? So I it's kind of yeah. – you have to, like, abandon societal validation <laughs> to become unique enough to then get societal validation, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's kind of – It's, 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 kind it's of strange funny. how that works. But, yeah, I, and I'm so glad that we've done this, and I can't really imagine what it would be like going back to normal life. I guess that's how – like, leading into – where do I see our, or myself five, ten years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, we will probably get some land somewhere and start a sort of small community uh, around sustainability and growing our own food and making our own power and everything. But I don't, wanna, I don't wanna just like make a hippie commune, not that there's anything wrong with that. I think we probably need a lot more hippie communes <laughs> in our <laughs> current culture. Yeah. But I would like to build a place where people can exchange ideas similar to uh like like casey neistat has with 368 Mm -hmm. it's a place he's in new york and it's kind of a co-working space slash ideation and that sort of thing so if we were just completely off the grid completely self-reliant but had a big-ass fiber, like, a bunch of fiber bandwidth coming in so that we had access to, like, all the world's information. Uh-huh. And then we can, like, implement that and work on solutions to things in the peaceful serenity of nature. Uh, that's kind of long-term goal that I would like to um, build is that sort of community cool. space. Cool. I don't know how many people will be invited, but... <laughs> <It laughs> <It says, laughs> you yeah. and, and Elsa in yeah. camp, that's yeah, it? Yeah, So, yeah, but eventually, that's what we would like to focus on. But in the short term, I don't, and a lot of people ask if we're going to upgrade the camp, like upgrade to something else, but um, I don't think, I haven't found anything that would really be an actual upgrade. Yeah. Even the 16-foot scamps, like where we're parked right now, if we had a 16-foot, we couldn't get there. Yeah. And then if we got down there, I couldn't, get it out because we couldn't turn around mm-hmm. and just being able to move the scamp around by hand is invaluable. Yeah. So yeah, I, that, yeah that, we that, may upgrade the scamp itself, but I can't imagine us yeah. getting anything well, the, bigger.
0: Like, yeah. Big, big isn't always better. I, I passed two earth Rummers on the way up to one of the lakes that I have on my adopted trails from the forest service. And I was like, Y'all can't get back in here. Yeah. Like your overhead clearance is way too high. Yeah. And these trees are hanging way too low. And, while, and while, they're way too wide and way too expensive. Yeah. You don't and, and scratch I'm just, them. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially the big one, it's a bus frame. Mm hmm. The school bus frame. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. That's yeah. huge. You're not going to be able to do that. It'd be cool if
1: you were like exploring the flat plains of Kansas. Is yeah. It or drive or, on or, it or like that? the
0: Serengeti in Africa. Or right. Something. Like, that's perfect, but not Excellent. for up here. Yeah. You know, Then that, and that goes back to when we talked about situational rigs. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my my five year to ten year plan, five years, I hope to be on the road to South America, tip of South America in 2023. And then I would say ten years from now, you know, I'm I'm 43 right now, so I'll be 53. Uh my injuries are definitely stacking up. I can feel them a lot more these days than I used to. I can still backpack and everything. It just it just hit it just hits me harder, you know. And so I would say depending on injuries, I'll either still be trucking, but I'll probably do it in like a four x four Chinook. Like those old school ones that I was yeah. showing you, like maybe like an '85 or something like that, and really deck out the interior and make it just really incredible, and roll around in that because that 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 um, the '85 Chinook four x four is only two foot, uh, no, only one foot longer than my current truck. Hmm. So it's not like it'd be a, it'd be a difference really in vehicle size. And it may be it's similar width too, right? Yeah, because those were much much narr- more narrow, and the Chinook portion kicks out a little bit, but it's about the same width is my truck right now okay and uh so that, that'd be nice to have if i get something like that you're know, like an old school chinook or like maybe an old blazer or old, or old bronco that you can drop a six foot pop-up uh camper in and then just cut the pass through it because it's a unibody yeah so um you can drop those into the bed of uh, those when the, when the back comes off of like say like a 79 blazer or 79 okay. bronco and um That'd be nice to have, but if my injuries are stacked up, then I'm gonna get land. Yeah. You know, and 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 build an off-grid cabin and do that, and I'll probably be more solo. I mean, like, like I just like I like being alone. Yeah. <laughs> I just enjoy it. Yeah. Like past couple of days when I've been up in Leadville, just doing my thing, it's
1: like I don't know what it is. I just feel super comfortable. I I prefer that too. Um, I much prefer to be completely solitary or with like one or two other people, mm-hmm. but. I also feel, uh, sort of calling to help other people out and like pull other people out of this sort of redundant purgatory that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of something that I'm decent at, so I should probably hone that skill, you know?
0: Yeah. Camera's done. Yeah. it sounds like the battery's probably out. Yeah. Um, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know what it
1: is about being alone in nature, but there's some, something empowering about well, cause it. Well, because you're not totally alone, it's a thing. Well, no, I mean, like, no. No, no. I mean, because you have all the plants and all the animals oh, yeah. and like everything out there with you. Yeah. You
0: know? And I think that, you know, some people go out there and they, and they have fear. Yeah. And that's kind of sad in, in some ways because it's like, hey, it's, you know, if you know what you're doing, it's not going to harm you. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually going to help. And so that's why I love being back in there. I'll go back in there for three or four days, and I'm like, okay, I should probably go talk to a human now. Yeah. You know, I should go get normalized and then come back and do the off-grid stuff again. You know, but it's it's, it's been nice being back there. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's basically my five ten year five years. Uh, hopefully, on the road to South America, tip of South America in five years, ten years, either land with cabin or still trucking.
1: Cool. So, and then somebody asked too how to deal with. The feeling of loneliness? Yeah, that was
0: actually another question from Rachel Marie. Okay. mean am going to go ahead and read that real quick? Sure. Okay, so um, Rachel asked, how do you balance the isolation and loneliness of solo travel with finding and maintaining a sense of community? I personally can get a little too comfortable with being alone until I'm so deep into solitude that it's hard to pull out of it. What are your best tips on countering isolation while traveling?
1: You want to shoot first?
0: Sure. Um... As far as maintaining a sense of community, you know, that was something that I had a hard time kind of uh, managing when I first got on the road because I just I would just completely get lost. And people would be like, okay, we haven't, we haven't heard from Brian in like five days. You know, and when, and when I'm doing what I'm doing solo, that can definitely get, people's, get people worried. And my family was worried about it. That's why I get that GPS uh-huh. so I can text them anywhere so that they, they, they can get in touch with me. So I, I kind of pulled back almost too far from society when I when I first hit the road. And then now I've been like inching it back a little bit to find that comfortable balance. Okay. And I still I still haven't found the perfect balance. Like there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, I just don't want to be around anybody. And I'll just go and hang out for like a week by myself and all the different spots I like to go to and fly fish and, you know, pet Sierra a million times a day and just call it a good day. <laughs> um, and then there's other times where I want to be around people. So I haven't really found like the perfect mix but i think that with how dynamic this lifestyle is and waking up in a new area at least at least i do almost every day because i like to travel on different stuff like it's you can't get in that same routine every day just because of location you know if like if i'm in leadville one day and then villa grove the next well, that's 105 mile difference you know it's not gonna be the same down there as it is up here and vice versa so that's one thing that I've actually enjoyed is the variation to where I don't get into routines. Like each day is kind of like, Ooh, okay, what's today going to bring? Mm-hmm. And that's that um, sense of excitement. I think helps to keep that loneliness at bay. And then when you're excited like that, typically you want to talk to people, and so you can build a little bit of a micro community around you for wherever you're at, just by talking to people and and. Uh, and getting to know them a little bit. And then, and then as far as the, the community on the road, as you know, we, you, we end up meeting other people that travel full-time like we Tons. do. And then that becomes your friendship group primarily. And you still have friends that are kicking it the normal way. Um, but I've found that I tend to hang out more with people now that just travel full-time. Yeah. it's just It just seems like we're
1: on the same wavelength. Yeah. So we have... Over the summer, we've had a lot of people come out and visit, mm-hmm. liking to get taxing. And even in Arizona, we had a lot of people come out and visit, and we love having people. And we love that. I, I mean, I think that people come, hang out with us, catch the vibe, like get on the wavelength, and then go back to whatever they were doing in a sort of better mental place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true from all the um, or all the evidence that I've gathered or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, we love that, and that's, it's a fulfilling and inspiring thing for us, but it's hard to to get into a rhythm with so many people coming and hanging out yep. uh, So honestly, more what we've experienced more than the solitude of it is almost too many people, but we love it so much that it's hard to, it's hard to like dodge that, you mm-hmm. know uh, so Honestly, I can't say and we I have Elsa in camp, so I'm not yeah. completely alone clearly. But it's not often that I'm craving friendship or new people or whatever because we get plenty of that. When we first started on the road, Elsa was missing her friends from KC and she was like, "Man, I wish we had some friends out here, you know." And just by like putting that out and me hearing that and like we all we kind of got that initiative. And by the next week, we had made, like, 10 new friends from around town and people that we had um, been camping with and everything. Yeah. So if if that's your intention is to meet people, then you can go to the places that people are because there's plenty of campgrounds that have a lot of people in them. Mm -hmm. And just go meet people and start hanging out. Yeah. And don't ever forget that the Internet's a thing. So you have all these social networks and Instagram and all. So if you reach out to other people that are travelers and they're in a similar area or you'd like to meet up with them, oftentimes they're the same as you. Yeah. And they'll just be like, Oh yeah, let's let's go here. Yeah. We could definitely use some other people around or whatever. Yeah, know? definitely. So yeah, don't be bashful and reach out to people and um, get to know other people and leverage the internet and I don't think like you could be lonely but I think that's you kind of lonely. a choice at that point.
0: Well and I think too like it, it, in reality you can be lonely in any situation. Most yeah. definitely. You could be in a room full of 100 people and still be lonely Yeah, and so I think it's you know, it's more in my life, it's more about the quality of the character of people I'm hanging out with. Right. And if there's people that are of like low character, it's like I just don't want to spend time with them. Yeah. You know, I almost it's like, feel
1: lonelier in a room full of people than I do with like two or three people. Yeah, me too. You know?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I experienced the same thing when I had You know, a lot of people, hey, I want to come camp and everything. And I started realizing I'm like, I'm spending all my time either with people visiting. Or prepping for people to come visit. Mm-hmm. And I did that for, an, for almost an entire year. I'm like, I can't do this anymore because I can't get anything done. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, I could get stuff done, but it was very, it was, it was very hectic schedule. Yeah. And I thought, I'm not doing this. And I don't mean to sound selfish when I say this, but I wasn't doing this for other people. I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. And at some point you have to realize, like, like I told myself, like, hey, Brian, you got to realize, like, got to get that good balance in there. And now I have a good balance. Like people come visit every once in a while. And it's cool. And it's kind of just more of my core friends. Whereas in the initially, there were some friends that I didn't may not have known that well, and they're like, "Hey, let's go camp with Brian because he right. camp full time, and it's like his novelty and stuff, and it kind of felt like a little bit of a sideshow, yeah, you know? yeah, in the circus or something like that." I mean, not 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 like in a bad I way, mean, no. yeah, but, but a little bit of an attraction and and. Uh, So I just, now I'm more mindful. And I I read a ton now. I'm reading three different books at the moment. Cool. And that's one thing I'd recommend that and then journaling and then meditation. The meditation that I do, it's just, it's just focusing on my breath. That's it. Like I don't sit there and try to figure out like why Brian lost his hair at the age of 34. (laughs) Like that's stuff I don't want to ponder. You know, it's like, I just want to sit there and just, just do those mental relaxations just to give yourself a break from whatever, whatever's going on. Or just to just reset the clock and make sure you're on point mentally. Yeah. So that's one thing that's really nice because when you start there and you just start to focus on your breath, like you can really get zoned in on it. Do that for like 20 minutes by a creek. And if you walk away in a bad mood, you're, there's something inherently wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: It's, hard. it's really hard to walk away in a bad mood. Yeah.
0: And so doing those things, it's, um, instead of being lonely – I'm sure, that, I'm sure that I probably could be if I didn't engage in so many activities. Mm-hmm. But I, I look at the time, the downtime, I was like, okay, I'm done with my work for the day. I still have four hours to go to camp. I don't want to just go there and sit there. Well, I'll go for a hike, or I'll go fly fishing, or I'll go, you know, four-wheel this new trail, this section I haven't been on, or I'll go explore this area or whatever. So it feels like every day is kind of like a, um, a fun, exciting day full of who knows what, as opposed to the same routine. Totally. Yeah. And let's see, is there anything else? Um, but the, the, the tips on countering isolation while traveling, I, I say go to social areas. Like, you know, you were talking yeah. about like socialized, stuff, like dog parks or coffee shops are great.
1: That's yeah, great point. Yeah.
0: And so if you're traveling with a dog, you know, you get a dog park, you'll instantly meet people because totally. you just start talking. Yeah. And then it's same with like walking down the street. Like I did that in BB when I first got here with Sierra and Sierra was way more crazy than she is now, which is hard to believe. But we walk down the street, like within two days, like the whole town knew her. They're like, oh, that's that crazy dog that Brian has that just like lick, the, lick you to death, you know, and stuff like that. And so it helps to be an icebreaker as well.
1: Another thing is gear shops. Mm-hmm. Walking into a local gear shop for whatever sport you enjoy or whatever and talking to the people working at the shop mm-hmm. and kind of getting a lay of the land. And then you can go out to whether it's a bouldering area or kayaking or four-wheel driving, whatever it is. If you go out to those popular areas, you're bound to meet people. Yeah. So, um, just do the things that you love in popular areas and mm-hmm. you'll be bound to meet people that also do the things that you love.
0: Yeah. And then, and that's great. Cause then you guys can go and hang out and you, you know, like their friends have friends and on and on and on and they just meet more people. Um, there was one thing that Rachel mentioned in here and she said that, um, sometimes she'll get, you know, she, she's so comfortable with being alone that sometimes she can get so deep into solitude that it's hard to pull out of it. And, and I, I can relate to that from when I go backpacking solo because I'll go backpacking sometimes for four or five days at a time, and when you get into that mode, you kind of come back to society. And, and In my instance, I have to be careful because I can be judgmental, and I don't want to be. You know, that that wasn't the reason why I went out there. But I'll go back and I'll I'll, I'll been how, like so hyper aware of like leave no trace or whatever when I was in the country that if I go into the city and I see somebody like throw a piece of trash on the ground or something like that, I can be like hyper critical of them, and I have to check myself to not do that. Yeah. And I think it's that disassociation with people realizing like. Okay, you know, my value set's different than somebody else's. I can't hold them to the same value set that I hold
1: myself to, because that's not fair to them. we were from different backgrounds. It it's not effective. Right. You know, like there's, uh, like if you see somebody throw trash on the ground and you go up and like cuss at them, and yeah, like it doesn't do anything. Call an asshole, then they're gonna yeah. throw more trash on the ground in spite of you. you right. Know? Yeah. Whereas if you like just go like pick it up and like. I don't know. And if somehow they see it, mm-hmm. then it's much more effective in communicating the point than yeah. trying to communicate it through vulgarities. Whatever. Yeah, totally.
0: And, and, you know, I mean, I've never said anything or, or, uh, or I don't even think I've even done anything to, to draw attention to the fact that I w- would, would notice that. But, it, but the fact that I do notice it, it means that I've been away from society for a little too long. Yeah. You know, if I'm being that hypercritical of someone, I don't even know who they are. It's like, Okay, I need to get plugged back in a little bit. So I think that I can I can relate to that about yeah. how you get so deep in there, you're like kind of like I don't know if I want to go back out. I don't know if I want to be exposed to the news or I would be exposed to driving or whatever. You know, you kind of get in this mindset. At least I do in the wilderness areas. It's so quiet. You're like, dude, I don't want to leave. I'm yeah. I'm just gonna stay here inside this mountain for the rest of my life and become a hermit. <laughs> <laughs> Feel that. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah. So that, that's what I would say for battling isolation and. Like, stay busy, meet friends, go to dog parks, go to coffee shops, pretty much just have, like, killer days every day. And, yeah, yeah I think it would be good.
1: Yeah, and honestly, living out in this area with so many things to do and so many cool people around, um, it would be a lot easier to pull myself out of it. Id- so, okay, so when I did get into a sort of um, solitude, isolation, mm-hmm. It was when I was playing a lot of video games and living in the city. Mm. And there were infinite people around. We were living downtown or, like, in Midtown. And that is when... But I didn't feel lonely. It was like an intentional isolation, Mm -hmm. you know? I just didn't want to be around everyone and everything. And I wanted to be in World of Warcraft flying around on my dragon instead, you know? (laughs) But uh, (laughs) that was (laughs) when there were lots of people around... And, um, that was when I was also the most intentionally isolated because I didn't want to be around all that. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I don't
1: struggle with it as much.
0: Yeah. It's nice because with the way we live, there's, there's, you can dial in the balance real quick. Yeah. Like if you want to dial it back, no problem. You just go you back. just to go it. vanish. Yeah. And if you want to dial it up, you go to town. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'd say those are, those are good questions. Anything yeah. else you want to expand upon? I don't think so. Okay. Um, Oh, I want, to, I want to talk about... So I talked with uh, Christopher and Caitlin Barnicutt about coming on yeah. as our first guests on the podcast. And they're available next week, so I'm going to reach out to them today. Cool. And see if we can set something up for next week. So for the audience, um, if you want to check out... This is a really cool adventure couple that lives here in Buena Vista, but they go all over the world. And they just got back from a six-month trip where they rode their um, enduro motorcycles across the continent of Africa... And I think that, I think they went pretty much the whole way. I don't think they went started at South Africa. I think it was north of there, but then they went through like Ethiopia and all the, all Sudan, like all these different areas and um they camped the whole way and they said out of all the people that they met on the entire time that were overlanding and, and doing the same trip all of them had like these huge rigs only one other person was on a motorcycle and everybody marveled that they were on motorcycles cool yeah so they're like the jedi yeah, yeah. totally so their, their instagram is distant dot tracks so distant period tracks so check them out and they're going to come on and tell us all about their experience of, of being over there for six months riding their motorcycles and it's caitlin i've talked to her just briefly and it's unreal like the stories they have so i'm excited to have them on the podcast awesome so that'll be next week and then um we're also talking with daniel who's the founder of tenkara usa about coming out uh, possibly mid-september so we're still trying to tack down a date with that but i'm I'm very interested in speaking with him about his experience of bringing tenkara over to
1: the united states and also uh, just the time that he spent in Japan learning and Tinkara is a simplified form of fly fishing where you have a long rod and then a long piece of line attached to the end with no reel or anything right yes yeah, so it's a fixed line and over in japan they do it with a bamboo wow so like along
0: the shore of these streams they'll just go and snap off a piece of bamboo and tie a string to the end and start fishing
1: cool yeah that's my style that, right? isn't
0: that cool yeah so yeah it would be cool to talk to him so so anyway so that's that's what we got coming up and um
1: yeah. If you have any questions or anything, shoot them our way.
0: Yeah, and, and keep the yeah keep those questions coming. We really love to hear from y'all. So and then um, also too, if you have any questions for you know if you're looking at the Instagram account for for Christopher and, and Caitlin on their Africa trip, then uh, shoot us some some questions and we'll be sure to ask them. Excellent. That's a great idea.
1: Cool. Cool. thank you for tuning in, guys.
0: Yeah, we we really enjoy uh, doing this, and uh, we're looking forward to to getting our first guest on here next week. So thanks for tuning in. Peace.